Hi, and welcome to our first Christmas episode. We're doing the classic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I'm Andrew Wass. I'm Jake. And I'm Jacob McCullough. No, I'm Jake Plumeri. I didn't say that last name. God damn it, Jake. So, yeah, we're still looking at the Universal logo, unless you have a bootleg of this, like I guess a lot of people probably do. I used to, but now I'm legal. The FBI can't come after me now. Yeah, the 100th anniversary Universal logo goes perfectly with the small handcrafted aesthetic of Rankin Bass. I do like how a lot of the um, Rankin Bass specials um, began like this, with you know, like showing like newspaper articles and like just presenting Santa or um, Santa or these figures as real life things, as you know, urban legends and folk tales that are true. I think that's a very clever thing that made it seem more real to kids, you know, as we then faded to mm-hmm. claymation. Ah, <laughs> uh, this guy. Snowman. Yeah, um... With a southern twang. Or, no, wait, that was an elf, never mind. Strange, what? Wait, what? Yeah, they, they have a snowman and elf that has a southern twang. I got confused with this one. Uh, this is just Burl Eyes. Yeah, well, yeah. Still, you know... It's obviously not an iconic Christmas character, but it's a memorable design. Always like the goatee thing he had going. Yeah. Well, I saw a few years ago saw like at CBS and I regret not buying it, like a version of him. Like it was a talking snowman doll that like sang Rudolph and it was like the Burl Ives version, which you know, most of those like singing like singing toys you see at the drugstores and all that around Christmas time, they'll sing the classic song, but like It'll be a cover because it's too cheap, like too expensive. But it's like, hey, they put out. I think it was for the um, 50th anniversary of this. So, oh, hold on, we're talking over the the other the other Rankin Bass Santa. Yeah, it always threw me off that like you have the one and uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. It was like kind of the same one in the year without a Santa Claus, but here it seems very clearly to be like a different Santa Claus. See, as a kid, I always I always wished, or I mean, I just thought that. This was kind of like a sequel to Santa Claus is Coming to Town. And that's what's sort of confusing about it, right? Yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing that um, Rankin Bass did do semblances of sequels and bleed over characters and information. So, yeah, you know, Mickey Rooney did the voice of Santa in both The, uh, the Year Without a Santa Claus and Santa Claus is Coming to Town. But there's other elements that bleed over. So, and I believe it's... um. A year without Santa Claus, they show Santa's village, and it's the same basic castle design of this, but with more outbuildings. So it's like, okay, this is years down the line because Year Without a Santa Claus, um, I believe, takes place um, contemporarily um, at the time. So they're like, oh, this is in the present. You know, this is supposed to be like twenty to thirty years beforehand and whatnot. So there is some level of continuity, which we'll I'll continue touching on as we go through, but yeah. Wait, so there's intentional continuity there. See, I like to think of it like it's like red letter media, that there's like the Mike Mr. Plunkett, and then there's the rich Mr. Plunkett, (laughs) and this is just the second Santa Claus. Exactly. Uh, We just passed by it. They showed the copyright underneath there. Um, In the tradition of a lot of movies and shows, putting their copyright in Roman numerals for some reasons, but it was probably a bad idea because apparently instead of writing 1964, they wrote 1164 as the copyright. So that's made the um, copyright for this special pretty dubious. So toss up in the air whether all the commercials you're going to be seeing in this season that are parodying this um, design or merchandise or the unofficial sequels were at all legally legitimate or if the ranking back is the fastest state got anything. So basically what Andrew is saying is all low rent distribution companies listening to this uh, this commentary track, this is your chance to make a quick buck off of a hastily miscopywritten Christmas special. And that's the true meaning of Christmas. I just nodded. <laughs> See, so an interesting thing, I didn't realize it until I rewatched it in anticipation for this commentary track, but there's a lot of voice actors from the 1967 Spider-Man show in this. Like, that's uh, that's the voice of J. Jonah Jameson. I, I believe his name was uh, 
Paul Kleegman. Yeah, I thought he played um, the grumpy elf, or well, maybe he voiced multiple people in this. He does. He actually he, he voiced a few characters in this. Yeah. Uh, he, he's like the coach, too, at that one point. That, yeah, that sounds like Don Adams, almost. Yeah. But yeah, when the, the voice of Hermes is, was Paul Souls, the guy who played um, Spider-Man. As Paul Souls, yeah. Um, yeah. The guy who voiced a couple of the villains on that show also does some of the voices in here. It's, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, I'd say it's strange that it's most of the cast, but there was like four voice actors or something on that original show, so maybe it's not that strange. Well, that's the thing with, with Rankin Bass, that um, they had their headquarters in New York. They did all the voice recording out of, like, Canada in the Toronto area, and actually the uh, voices of, the, which um, names I'm not blanking again, um, the voice of Jameson and Spider-Man, they actually lived in the same nursing home in Toronto, like, until... Um, one of them died recently. I think. Well, I think Paul Souls actually might still be acting. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, he, I think he's primarily like a voice actor. Um, I might be wrong. So do they go to him in the, into the nursing home and, and he records as he's dying? Well, the voice of George Jetson, um, George O'Hallen, um, actually died in the sound booth when they were making the Jetsons movie. But he went there. You, did the, does the production go to the retirement? Well, I think to the nursing uh, home? maybe. Well, I, mean, I, I think Paul Souls like. If you look him up, he was just on like some web series. Um, he's still like he's still doing like live action stuff even. But he uh, he had a brief role in the the two thousand eight Incredible Hulk movie. Really? Yeah, he played uh, he played a character in that. That was oh. a nice little reference to Wait, was he how connected he, to the Hulk. No, he was the head. Of, he was like the pizza guy, right? The, the yeah, the pizza shop owner. And he would. That was a nice reference to how he would do all the voices on the old Marvel shows. Oh, but okay. yeah, he's the elf in this. Doing a much higher pitched voice than he used for Spider-Man. Well, it is funny though because I didn't know that until um, a few years ago as well myself. And now when I watch like this, I just hear Spider-Man and Jameson like arguing about dentistry and like dolls and Christmas. So it adds a whole new layer to this. If this is like some like you know weird fever dream like Spider-Man episode, <laughs> like you know, uh, the, one of the later ones. <laughs> But, oh, yeah, like I said, so they were um, based in New York, did a lot of voice acting out of um, Canada, but then they would do all the animation in Japan. So I guess they would, like, design the figures and say, this is what they should look like, and then they would let the Japanese do it. So, you know, you're, you get in some of the Rangan Bass specials a little later on, you see some level of Japanese influence. The um, most famous one is in... Um, Santa Claus is coming to town when they have um, Jessica, the, Mrs. Claus, has her song number and it turns into like an actual 2D animated song. Yeah, she has like the big tears and a little bit of anime styling. So oh, that part's very trippy. Yeah. That's where it turns into like, uh, that's when it turns into an episode of the Spider-Man show. It turns into an acid nightmare. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've always I, I've always really appreciated the the animation in these, even though it's like very imperfect. Obviously, oh, that's part of the charm. I guess you would. I mean, if you compare it to like a really high end stop motion project, um, like I guess something like the Nightmare Before Christmas or Corpse Corpse Ride is what comes to mind. But I always think of like Chicken Run, where they put so much care into it that they literally made it so they erased all the fingerprints off the figures to make it look that pristine. Oh, and cool. this is like the opposite of that though, but that's kind of what I like about it. There's sort of like a, uh, I don't want to say crudeness, but it's, you know, it's much more simple how they do the animation. Well, it was definitely the, probably the cheapest one they had ever done because, you know, this is very, you know, this is 1964 Christmas specials really weren't a thing. The first quote unquote Christmas special was, um, only a couple years prior to this, and it was the Mr. Magoo Christmas special. Although this one apparently got a, a cash influx, so they actually had a pretty decent budget for this particular special. Point retracted. Um, I don't know. I was like looking into like the business side of like how these things were, you know, distributed and funded. And I was I was looking up like who exactly holds the rights to these because you think about the Rankin Bass specials, and they aren't really associated with any particular studio in terms of like IP. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm, I wonder who owns it. 
and basically looking up the history of who owns the rights to the Rankin Bass specials is like a great crash course in corporate consolidation. Because <laughs> it's like one small company buys it and then it's bought up by another company and then another company and it's like bought by DreamWorks and then Universal buys DreamWorks and then it turns into NBC Universal and then Comcast comes in and it's yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's very weird because, yeah, this DVD had the Universal logo at the beginning of it. I always associate watching Rudolph, though, on CBS, but then I associate the other specials like Santa Claus has come to town and um, Year Without Santa Claus. I would watch those on ABC Family. So we've gone from NBC to CBS to ABC. So it's just like one of those things where it's just like, it's the same thing with It's a Wonderful Life where the copyright is just so screwed up and like just you know fuck six went to sunday type thing that's like you know they show it once you're on nbc it's distributed by paramount on the dvd and you know you look at all this other crap that it's just like it's like who does anyone own exclusively you can never watch you know one of these rank and bass specials you know anywhere stream it watch it you know on tv or dvd with just one company's fingerprints on it. Well, it is, it is NBC Universal that owns them now. Oh, okay. Although, it, it's a funny thing, is GE funded a lot of these specials. Really? Hmm. Yeah, GE, and they technically held the rights with the distribution rights oh. are the real thing in question. Neat. Or the, the real, the valuable commodity of these specials. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing that, um, about the making of these specials that I found, and um, if you have the DVD set that just came out um, last year, they have a special called like um, The Animated World or Animagic of Rankin-Bass. It's a very good special on um, the history of the Rankin-Bass specials. But they talk about how, really, there's no footprint or real outline for a Rudolph special or any of these specials outside a two and a half minute song so it's very interesting how they had to get creative to stretch this into you know a half hour 45 minutes you know whatever it is block so you know they talk about how the writers would be like they would listen to the song and like okay well won't don't let him join in any reindeer game so okay we have to have a scene where he tries playing reindeer games okay well that's five minutes there and then you know Oh, they laughed like a light bulb. Okay, we have to have people insulting him and blah, blah, blah. That, you know, just picking out small verses and being like, okay, what's a scene that we can make out of that to stretch it out? And, you know, and then, yeah, you'll have, like, stuff like Island Misfit Toys or the Dennis Elf and all that that are not in the song at all that they have to completely create on its own. But it's very interesting to see the small kernels of the song be pulled and placed throughout it to just build scenes off the basic structure. I agree. So this is extended apparently because in uh, my understanding is an original broadcast of this they actually the cut the instra yeah the instrumental section got cut. Mm -hmm. Well, that is interesting because the, uh, these specials have been edited over the years and um, stuff, like I said, has been added, taken out. Um, you now in modern day have the problem of there's less commercials now. Oh, careful so, with that. Sorry. Every time I see that scene, I'm like, careful with those scissors. I think, I think the same thing as a kid. I think I, I probably cut off his ear. Right by that guy's ear. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, but stuff will be obviously cut out or put in and it's just very interesting how sometimes stuff is just like permanently lost. Um, we'll get more into it, but they, I believe two years after um, the original airing, reshot part of the ending to include the Island of Misfit Toys because in the original airing, it just, he flies off and then that's the end. But kids were like, King Rudolph mm -hmm. didn't fulfill his promise to go back to Island of Misfit Toys and you know, instead of being logical kids and be like, oh, he does go back eventually. Kids being stupid be like, I need to see it to know what happened. So they had to go back a few years later, reshoot the closing credits because it originally just ended with that the elves throwing the gifts out and the gifts had the closing credits on it. So a few more names and all that being put out. But instead, now it's obviously, as you'll see on you know 
all forms that you see on TV or today or on this DVD, you'll see they're now tossing out the I Will Misfit Toys allowing them to have homes. So it's interesting. These were evolving over the years. So someone who saw this in 1964 had a very different view of it who saw it in the 70s. So they actually did reshoot the whole ending. Yeah, so they yeah they added in when they're, uh, they're sitting on the ice, they'll be like, oh, Rudolph forgot about us, and then they come, and then the literal closing credits. So as you'll see when we get to it, like I said, the closing credits initially had no text over the screen. It was just, they would pull out, the elves would pull out a gift, and much like the opening credits, it would have, you know, directed by, and then they would toss the gift. Now it's, they pull out one of the toys and toss it out. Interesting. I always thought this was Don Adams. They were ripping off Get Smart. <laughs> no, I think that's Paul Kliegman again, right? I'm not sure, but, you know, again, like you said, there's like four voices in this. It's also interesting how they got lazy with the design of, like, there's only three different elves. You have Hermes, the really tall elf for some reason. The generic elves. Okay, so four. It's a good visual signifier that Hermes is different, though. But it's just weird that then there's that. one, the one tall elf. He's different. When is he getting his spinoff movie? He probably already has. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. That's and what he already, the rain, the, the Rudolph's New Year special was about, right? I'll look it up to see if he ever got a special. If he did, I'll put it on the screen. And probably not. But yeah, going back to continuity. Um, yeah, there is some level of continuity between these. Um, so yeah, you had Rudolph's Shiny New Year, which was a sequel. But, and whatnot, but you got like visual nods, like I said, you know, Santa Claus's village looks the same across these movies, whether it's being added to or subtracted, if it's a prequel, you know, a lot of times voice actors are shared, so, you know, you had Mickey Rooney as Santa across a couple of these, um, and then you had like the cinematic crossover, um, where, you know, like Rudolph, Jack Frost, um, Frosty, and all of them are in one big special together. And it's interesting in hindsight going back and like watching some of these and be like seeing elements that would later be used. So like the Aurora Borealis helps guide them later in this. And in that movie, the Aurora Borealis is a godlike figure who helps them and like is personified. So it's very interesting to think like, oh, what could have initially just been like, oh, it's helping us see where we're going in theory, was could have been a seed planted to be like, okay, that's the godlike figure helping them the first time. It can go both ways. I don't think in 1964 they were thinking about specials from like the 70s, but who knows? That sounds a lot like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer when you put it that way. His eyes just dilated. See on cocaine. <laughs> I appreciate that with the animation though. Yeah. No, it's yeah, it's just like little nods like that where it's just like they didn't need to do that. It's like I I marvel at any time like you see the snowman moving and the snow you see like the trail actually forming and snow piling up and being pushed to the side of him like a snowplow. And it's like a lot of like how the you know female uh, reindeer's eyes just dilated when the nose came off. It's done in like a very stylized way. It really, you know, it, it brings character to these specials. Her name is Charisse. Is that the name? Oh, yes. Right. No, it's Clarice. Oh, Clarice? Yeah. Well, Jacob. <laughs> well, hold on. We have to watch all the reindeer bully Rudolph here. <laughs> this is one of those things that plays a lot rougher now, but it was like the 1960s, and so it was like, you know, it was good enough that they say this is bad at the end. Yeah. It should be called Gaslighting the Musical. I think Rudolph should have challenged him to a boxing match. <laughs> like in that issue of Spider-Man when Peter fights Flash Thompson. Wow, that's a reference right there. Yeah. Well, you know, the teacher, the teacher is just like, you boys need to stop fighting and just settle this in the ring. <laughs> that's a great issue. That's what the coach should Number have done. Six. Um, You're that's like my girlfriend had never seen any of the Rankin Bass specials until like we started dating. So we're watching these, and she's like, "This is a, this is meant for kids. Like this is really mean spirited. Like everyone's so mean." And 
that is something I've now noticed growing up that with the exception of Santa Claus is Coming to Town, which is all about Santa Claus's origin story, Santa's a prick in all of these specials. He minutes after this kid's born, comes in and is like, your son is a fucking freak. He's embarrassing us all. Does it again here. He's screaming at the elves. Like, I don't want to be here. And you're without, a Santa, or you're without a Santa Claus. He's like, I work one day a year. That's fucking too much for me, though. You know what it is? Because I, I think a lot of people sort of have the same thought when they watch this now. And it's certainly valid. Like, this, if this came out today, this would be like, what? Like, why is everybody such a jerk? But again, it's sort of like the the values dissonance at the time mm-hmm. where in the 1960s having the characters act like this was more appropriate as long as they sort of made amends with each other at the end. Well, that's kind of the point of the conflict though. Like they're supposed to treat him like it, like shit because he is different. That's like part of the message of the movie. It right? is absolutely. It's just now the extent to which they go to it, uh, seems off putting to a lot of modern viewers and it's more a, uh, to, to me, it's it just speaks to the, the values and the culture of the time, where having them be that directly, you know, having them be that directly mean to Rudolph was more of an acceptable thing, whereas now they would probably have dialed back on it. Yeah, I think if this were made today, Santa would be much nicer. He would be, like, a fatherly figure and be like, you know, there's only so much I can do to stop people from being mean, you know, but it's wrong, and, you know, try and talk to people throughout it. You know, and I think most of the adult range here would have snide comments but not be outright assholes to him. So they, they definitely would have dialed it. I think back. that sucks. Yeah, I'm not saying that's not conflict. That's <laughs> no the kid I think the kid reindeers would have been just as much of assholes in this as they were and like you know I'm not criticizing any of this. I'm observing. It's no. just interesting to see how it's interesting just to see how this reflects a different value set. Oh, sure. I mean, as long as, like, part of the message is how, you know, is that it's, it was wrong for them to bully him like that, and that, you know, the point... Because, to me, I always thought the lesson learned here was, like, your dif- like your differences is what, is what makes you unique, actually. And they, you know, it's utilized at the end in the correct way. You have to stay true to yourself. Or at least I totally misinterpreted it, but... No, that's... That, to me, is part of the moral message I, of the movie. I think that's the theme of the whole movie. Yeah sort of the value of misfits to the point that they literally go to a place called the Island of Misfit Toys. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know. The time aside, I still think, I don't know, it would, it would be appropriate because you are dealing with a shorter amount of time. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be bullying him or anything like that. Obviously, that's what has to be done for this story to exist. I'm just saying the way it's done. I'm talking more sort of the details and execution versus the actual idea behind it. Mm-hmm. I also think if they did this today, they would have had everyone be a little bit more apologetic to Rudolph. I know, like, we have to get this, like, wrapped up really quickly at the end, but maybe don't give the guy a song about peppermints and, you know, silver and gold and all that shit and wrap the thing up. Or make it a little longer. Because it does feel like there is still some valid... This too, people being like, yeah, they're still only appreciating him once he's useful. I get that. That's not that. Yeah. I, I get that. I think you're looking into that a little too much. No, <laughs> again, I'm saying other people that it's like, okay, we got to wrap it up. I think today they would, would um, it would behoove them to devote a little bit, like maybe a minute or two more to people being more apologetic versus, yeah, it was wrong what we did. You know, hey, we're glad you're here. And that, hey, by the way, can you help us out? I think that's going to be a little bit more focused on today. Listen, you don't become Santa Claus without stepping on a few people below you. Santa sees an opportunity to get his product out there. He takes advantage of it. There you go. That's a godlike figure above them, helping them. But the Yeti, right? That's what you're referring to? No, the Bumble. Yeah, I've watched um, Film Theory get a theory on um, who Yukon Cornelius' family was, that it's actually, he's Santa's long-lost son, because there are only 
Santa, <laughs> Santa banished him. He's from an affair. <laughs> well, no, like a bastard child. Because there are only two other characters in the main like Rankin Bass movies that are redheads, and it's Santa and his wife. So the theory, and you see at the end of Santa Claus is Coming Town, like a few redheaded kids in the Santa village. So the theory is that like, oh, you know, that's his son that he ran away and got lost. And the, their main theory is. Um, you know, he, like, is very childlike, and he just keeps calling him the Bumble, which the theory is, the theory that they purport is, Bumble sounds like what a kid would say when he couldn't pronounce Abominable. So, that Santa's Lost Child. If they had done a oh, spin-off that, movie, maybe they would have found that, that is fucking reaching right there. <laughs> Distant Cousin, perhaps. Yes. That was a Kingdom of the Crystal Skull quote. Oh. Oh, yeah. Distant Cousin, perhaps. Listen, I just talk about theories. Doesn't mean I actually believe them. You guys are pretty pretty harsh on me. It's my birthday tomorrow. Yeah, on your birthday I'll be nice to you. <laughs> but on for your now, birthday, three, on three, your birthday we'll pretend like this was a good theory. Three hundred and sixty-five days a year, you guys hate me. Just the one day we're good. Good thing you're paying me. Oh, this is where it breaks all its teeth. <laughs> and the the dentist elf never fixes them. They just have to put the squirrel down because it's humane. He's singing about silver and gold while that, that squirrel is in immense pain right now. Really have its broken teeth. Just bleeding. Kill me. Kill me. That's what you, get, that's what you need to think of whenever you hear this song now. You just need to think of a squirrel that's in a considerable amount of pain. Still being forced to put ornaments on a Christmas tree. Who oh, no, knows the snowman was so evil? I want to know if he has a relationship with Santa and any of the elves. Like, do they see him and they're like, oh yeah, we know that guy? Or is it is it is this like the unauthorized biography of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer via the snowman? He's got an axe to grind against Santa and the elves because they um they won't let him be the mascot of Christmas, so he just paints unflattering portraits of them. <laughs> well, it's interesting, because, yeah, he none of these um, narrators ever interact with the main characters, obviously, because it's usually, you know, they're like, oh, telling the story, it's, like, long in the past, but, yeah, that is very interesting, and it's like, what is there? Do they know he's out there? Because there's no other talking snowmen in here. Earlier, when they're saying, why am I such a misfit, they build a snowman and punch its face. Is that assault? Was that like a snowman that was just created before he could yell happy birthday and like start singing a song, got punched in the face? Well, it's like with uh, Santa Claus is coming to town, it's the mailman. Yeah. You, there's like a slight connection where he gets like the letters that he delivers to the North Pole. But here it's a mystery. No one really knows what this snowman has to do with the rest of the characters, but he's there. Who was the, um... Oh, someone probably made him in the North Pole or something. Maybe one of the elves or... Or Santa. Like that. Now, who Santa was... left him out there. Like, Yukon Cornelius. <laughs> you Just did. a fucker. <laughs> now, who was the narrator for the year without a Santa Claus? Because that was also a flashback. I haven't seen that one. I think that was Arnold Schwarzenegger playing Mr. Freeze. Well, maybe one year down the line we will watch your Thought of Santa Claus and we'll remember. I'll have to buy a non-bootleg version. Of my God, look, look at Yukon. Look at my boy. He's outrunning that fucking abominable snowman. They were just, just pulling the fucking sled. Must be like 300 pounds of weight. When you're out in the tundra after your father abandons you. Yeah. Gotta take care of himself. I was like how he has a pistol but never uses it. What a boss. This is a real man. This was back in the day when, like, you could make a Christmas special and car- characters just carry guns around and stuff like that. Just, I love it. I'm just imagining there's, like, I don't know how many people have seen The Boys, the Amazon um, Prime show. I don't know what that is. It's about superheroes. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. But they have a part in it where, like, a crazy superhero is on the loose, like, was held captive and is being freed by the main characters and starts killing all the evil henchmen. And the one henchman just pulls his gun out, puts it in his mouth, and just shoots himself, fearing it would be a quicker and more painless end than being torn apart. I wonder if Yukon ever planned to do that. He only has one bullet. If the bubble gets too close to him, he has to just sack kill himself so it would be quicker. Well, um, 
Can you imagine UConn in a, in a uh, 127 hours scenario where he gets trapped between like a glacier and like, <laughs> a rock falls on his arm? He's like, and he finds out that that's the uh, the vinegar mine or whatever. He, like he licks his like his peppermint mine. You think he's going for vinegar? Well, because my understanding is that uh, the voice, which was Billy Mae Richards, did the voice like all the way through like the two thousands. Really? For the these specials, yeah, of Rudolph. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Look at dedication. It was eventually replaced by Kathleen Barr, who we all know as the villain of Bionicle Three. Well, that's and the voice of Kevin in Ed and Eddie, but that's much less known than. Rudaka from Bionicle 3, Love of Shadows. So you're saying went from Rudaka to Rudolph? Technically, yes. Yes, that's true. I was trying to think of the order all this stuff came out. Exclaims. Because <laughs> he's <laughs> shouting. <laughs> so, are, are all his lines going to be in parentheses shouting or exclaims? Yes. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> now, this is the part of the um, special when they're like, okay, we've ran out of parts of the song we can reference. This is when things go off the rails. What can we do? We have like 20 minutes left. <laughs> I also like how most of these toys, like their problems aren't really problems. When you really get down to it, it's like, I'm a bird. I can't fly. I swim. It's like, most toys don't usually actually fly. Doesn't really matter. What? A pistol that shoots jelly. Put water in it. That's what's funny about it. Yeah, it's more of an ironic thing. I'm just saying these toys need to stop crying and pull themselves up by their bootstraps and vote Republican. They got a negative attitude. Andrew's like, this Charlie in the Box should have been like, I'm stuck to my catheter 24-7. (laughs) (laughs) I I could never be loved by a child. Under the, like, correct music, this could be like a horror scene where they're, like, being slowly surrounded by all these toys. (laughs) (laughs) Yukon pulls the gun. (laughs) Shoots the doll. I like that the doll, like, doesn't have anything wrong with it, really. Well, like, it, apparently, like, they asked Jules Bass, and he was just like, I don't know, maybe it was an alcoholic or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> allegedly. That's, like, something that, like, yeah, years later, you confront him, you're like, oh, fuck, I don't know. Also, the special, um, does the special um, pass the Bechdel test? Does Clarice and Mrs. Um, Donner have a conversation? No, I don't think they do. I think, I think this movie needs to be... Uh... Yeah, but they just talk about a man. Yeah. Talk about Rudolph. Oh, well, I was, like, I was just like thinking, like, maybe they put the dogs, like, we need to have something identifiably girly in this scene. What is it? The, the stuff where they talk about, uh, like, when um, they the one guy's, like, man's work or whatever, do they, do they cut that out of modern airings or anything like that? I don't know. I haven't watched this on TV in, like years i just always like watch the bootlegger now i have the official dvd but i would imagine maybe that's a lot they cut out now and i believe isn't i have no idea if they do or not it was just something a thought that occurred to me well i believe that's narration too so that would be an easy thing to cut but i mean who knows i mean also part of it is you know that there regardless there is music over that i wonder if they could cut that out now um, because if they don't have the separate music tracks, like that's the thing, like there, you can't find the original <laughs> versions of the Santa, uh, the um, Charlie Brown Christmas and Great Pumpkin music because it's been lost. You can only have the spe- the sound effects and dialogue over now. I mean, of course, people can recreate it. I wonder if that's the same thing where it's like we don't have the separate audio track anymore now. And they realized they were doomed. Also, I wonder if the band Misfits got their name from this. Probably not. <laughs> oh yeah, this is where off-brand Chinese Aslan lives. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> yeah, this is a very copyright infringement makes it so I can't be sold in America. <laughs> 
you can just pull this pistol. <laughs> he's just the dentist. Oh my god, he's the dentist from that guy who shot the lion a few years ago. We all remember that? Cecil the lion. What? Remember the hubbub for like five minutes when some like dentist from like Minnesota went to like Africa and shot a lion? No. Oh, I think I do. No, I don't remember. Yeah. So, you know. Hermes could have done it. Well, that's happened in three years, Wes. <laughs> See, everyone's like, you misfit toys with this. And I'm just like, that's like the coolest lion ever. Like, it flies. <laughs> that's amazing. I would just like to see him fly to the North Pole and confront Santa. Like, hey, motherfucker, why aren't you helping us? I think, so. I just, I, I think Santa would call him an abomination. <laughs> Santa's like, I don't have time. I need to gain weight. Is that healthy for Santa to be putting on and losing that much weight every year? Well, they kind of get into the end of the Santa Claus movie, except he's just gaining the weight. He's he's the Christian Bale of Santa Clauses in this. I like how they're all sharing like apparently like one like room together. Like, are they like in one big bed? Is you kind of? They're not in one big room. I'll tell you that. Yeah. His head's up in the corner. Watch the cops are gonna come in and like. <laughs> In this room, they're gonna see Yukon sleeping with a young boy and, a, and an animal. <laughs> just say, "Sir, what's what's happening?" It's gonna be like a misfit toy cop or something like that. <laughs> yeah. The car, will, the car only drives backwards. You kind of jump out the window. <laughs> no, he just puts a gun to her. He says, "Like I'll fucking kill him. Back off! I'll do it." I can literally see him doing that, like waddle running that all the characters <laughs> do in the specials. He looks down. going out on the ice flow. This is his Viking funeral. <laughs> Bye, Mr. Norwal. It's just like on the end of the Frankenstein novel where he goes out sets to burn himself to ashes. That's what we're all going to do. Hmm. That's a good reference. I appreciate that. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I read it in the junior novelization. Oh. Of the, 90, uh, the, the 90s movie, right? Yes. I don't remember the exact year it came out. <laughs> the bear just kills him. Yeah. You want to watch out for polar bears. They're the deadliest animals. That's why I'm glad they're going extinct. Well, I shouldn't say deadliest animals. They're the deadliest types of bears because they they will eat you. That's like, like, I've heard supposedly that they're like one of the few animals that will just hunt humans for sport. Like, even if they're not like a threat. Yeah, no, they'll, if you see one, you better get the fuck out. Insert John Peters joke here. (laughs) He wasn't totally wrong. Well, clearly he was about spiders being the most dangerous species in the world, or whatever he said. I think proportionally speaking. They're the fiercest predators on the planet. Now, another interesting um, fact with the continuity of these, and then just, I guess, merchandise in general. um, You never really see merchandise or sequels or anything with Rudolph in this grown-up form with his, you know, grown-up antlers. You usually see him with the... um, baby antlers from, like, the reindeer game scenes, you know, when the just nubs coming out. Because, I guess, Rankin Bass and whoever, yeah, like, owns the rights to all these things decided baby Rudolph is cuter than adult Rudolph. So it's very interesting to see, like, some of the sequels and all that have him. He's supposedly grown up, but still has baby antlers. So it's very... That's an iconic part of the design, I suppose. That's offensive. No, perfect. This is when you kind of get stuck in the 127 hours scenario. <gasps> when does he start drinking his own piss? <laughs> he licks his piss. Salt! <laughs> well, someone's getting off to this. And that someone is one of us. Write in the comments which one you think it is. Now I'm just like waiting for like Luke Skywalker to like cut this thing's arm off. What's wait? What's what? that from? Um, Last Jedi. Is that from Village of the Damned? Yeah. That's a great Mark Hamill movie. 
What was the car wash movie with Mark Hamill? What was that called? Car wash. Was it just called Car Wash? Yeah. I'm announcing it here. Our next commentary track will be Car Wash starring Mark Hamill. Coming. Just in time for the holidays. Yes. Uh, again, at no point in this um, confrontation does Yukon use his pistol. Just saying. Maybe this is like the Iron Giant when he realizes, I am not a gun. No, it's just the situation isn't dangerous enough for him to need it yet. This is the kind of man we're talking to. Yeah. Or maybe this is like a Jack Sparrow type thing. Yeah. He only has one bullet and it's being safe for Santa when he can shoot him for a purpose. <laughs> I was going to say, it's only for himself. When he commits suicide, it's like a last resort. When, he, when he's... <laughs> It's for the Santa that abandoned him. It's one of those. It's, it's for one of those two things: either to kill himself or kill Santa. If I don't kill Santa, it's for me. That was the original ending before they reached out. Right? <laughs> I'm gonna do it, Santa! Come out of that damn house, you fucking coward! <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> he holds Mrs. Claus at gunpoint. Don't think I won't do it. That's when we find Santa's a fucking no mother of mine. That's when we find Santa's a monster and just willingly lets her be sacrificed. It'd be like Troy when um, um, Brad Pitt is like yelling Hector's name. Hector! Oh, this is where it like gives him a concussion. <laughs> He has massive brain damage. That's why he's friendly at the end. Okay, so this next part, for some reason, I remember this being that uh, the elf takes out like a sore tooth and that makes it nice. That's not what happens. It just pulls its teeth out, basically. Right? Yeah. No, yeah. I, say, I, I googled this, though, and apparently that's like a very popular Mandela effect with this movie. Really? Is that like a lot of people remember it as like a sore tooth being pulled out. And I think it's just because it's so strange that like the hero's solution <laughs> is to rip all of its teeth out. I guess he's had, he has an existential crisis now. Yeah, yeah. see, they, they're all there. Well, that's the thing that uh, maybe that could be just like, that's a very, the fable of like the lion with like the thorn in its paw. And I've heard variations with that as well. Like the lion, the sword tooth that we attribute a, fair, a fable we've heard as childhood and put it in with this. Oh, we should all go see the Mandela effect. Watch, watch this. This is like the coolest thing this ever. Is, this is why this guy's a G. Look at that. What a man. Uh -oh. That's a real man right there. His dogs killed themselves too. That's that's how I want to go out someday. That's the only way Jacob likes dogs. <laughs> Could you imagine if they showed a shot where he's riding Bumble down the cliff like Slim Pickens and Doctor Strange love? Now I'm going to say like Gandalf in the beginning of the Two Towers. Oh, this was much, much cooler. Also, Santa has not gained the weight, so he has to gain all this weight in like eight hours. That definitely is not healthy. He's just bulimic. <laughs> like Karen Carpenter. <clears throat> Every year I watch the Carpenter's Christmas specials and make anorexic jokes the entire time. It's great. In other news, I will not be on the commentary track for the Carpenter's Christmas special with Andrew. Is this movie like 30 minutes? Yeah, like 45 minutes. Oh. It's uh, 53 minutes. Okay, there we go. Yeah, well, that shows you back in the day when um, the, there the, were less commercials. Yeah. Well, because this is when it began with, you know, General Electric brings you. You know, run off the Red Nose Ranger. They do that twice. You know, when they come back from commercial, they do that. You don't need to have you know fifteen commercials for breakdown for back then. Yeah, like I said, I think this version, I I think this version is slightly extended with like the yeah. instrumental section added back in and the the elf song. Oh, that yeah, that's like they have to cut stuff. Back. I always liked how Santa just hates that song and they never really follow up on that. He just hates it flat, and that's that. Yeah. Comes up again at the end, and he's like, that song is so annoying. Bumbles, bounce. And I think that's where the dating app got its name. <laughs> I should put you by Yukon Cornelius uh, picture on my Bumble account. Oh my God. Bumbles, bounce! Please do that. <laughs> I create a Bumble Looking for account. a girl who knows how to find uh, vinegar. <laughs> 
I'm gonna create a. I'll get permission from my girlfriend, but I want to create a Bumble account just for the next month and with UConn and see what people say. I think whoever gets it, you should just propose to them. Sorry, honey, I had to break up with you for this joke. You notice how Santa refers to his wife the same way that Mike Pence refers to his wife? Mama. Mama. (laughs) That was like a weird thing that older people and Mike Pence do. Like, Greg called um, Nancy Mommy. That one started, that one, in fairness to Reagan, started as he was traveling a lot. At when she was pregnant and was writing all his letters from supposedly as the baby. So it's like, dear mommy, you know, hope you're doing well. Daddy's traveling a lot. Daddy's doing this, blah, 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 blah. So he was writing it like in the third person. It was like and an endearing thing. Right. Well, but then it continued well, for the next 50 years. Well, okay, as long as it's not in the bedroom. It's just me. You ever see, uh, Jake, I know you've seen it, the movie Deadfall with Nicolas Cage. Yes. Oh. I just think of the scene in the car where he's like, we go home now, Mama. We're going home now, Mommy. To uh, to the girl, whose name was Sarah Trigger. <laughs> also, I like how Rudolph's nose glows far brighter than it has in the rest of the special. It's like literally blinding people versus well, Santa. He's older. Like, maybe. I like this. Santa's like you know, as soon as you have a use to me, as soon as you have an angle that I can use it for. That, that, that's what I'm saying, that, like, you don't feel that people are nearly as apologetic to Rudolph as they probably should be to not make it seem, you know, they're using him. Now, before we wrap up, uh, also on this DVD, there's a very interesting special um, about um, about the maintaining and... I'm sorry, hold on, hold on, wait, he's spying on him, what does it mean? <laughs> he's a peeping top. Is this where he reveals that this is all part of his grand plan to capture them all? Well, that's like he's t- he, at the beginning. He tells the story. He's like, "Oh, you know the old story about Rudolph, right?" But now he's in the past. So is he a time traveler? Um, now I will reveal myself. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> but as I'm saying, um, it's about the restoring of the Santa and Rudolph um, like miniatures. Apparently, when they were done filming. This filming this, they brought like all the main miniatures back to New York to um, be used for like you know photos for um, promotional purposes, and apparently they threw all of them out because they're done. Like you know we don't need them anymore. And like a secretary took the Rudolph and Santa ones out of the trash can and just started using them as her Christmas decorations for like decades. <laughs> and it's very interesting um, talking about how, like, how bad condition they were. They're like, how the hell did we restore this? Because like Rudolph's nose is like broken off as like clear whoever owned it like tried using like wax and a crayon to like, you know, be his nose and shit. But they talk about like how Originally, it was just a plain light bulb that they had to now be like, okay, we want this on display. We have to use like an LED so this thing doesn't catch fire from being on so much because it was clear they probably only had it on a limited amount of time so it wouldn't catch fire. Now, I do wonder though, did they make two different Santa ones where um, he's a skinny guy or and then fat, or did they just, you know, put like an extra shell over the skinny part? I feel like they would have mentioned that, so probably two different ones. Yeah, so in the original, he just, like, left. So I don't know if they reshot that, or there was originally a different line that they just dubbed over, because obviously their mouths don't really sync up perfectly. See, I think this is the version I always I always uh, watched growing up, with the, the one with the end of the Misfit Toys. Well, that's like, like the... I can't remember which one mine was. That's like the... Where he doesn't pick up the misfit toys, that's pretty much been lost time. Like they do have it, the original ending, but it's like in black and white. Like they oh, look, he found his vinegar, <laughs> peppermint mine, the vinegar mines. Oh, so it's right side of Santa's workshop. <laughs> isn't that isn't that going to cause a problem? <laughs> so when you find gold on like a <laughs> gold in like you know a national park, it belongs to them, just like in Scooby Doo and the Alien Invaders. Santa is against offshore peppermint drilling. I'm sorry, offshore vinegar drilling. Yeah. But um, yeah, but Cornelius finding the peppermint mine, that was never in the version I watched growing up. That was one of the things where 
it just cut from him saying for the island of misfit toys and then it cut to this no i think that uh, yeah i don't think i remember that even Peppermint. that was i think they said they found that recently too but you know it's nice seeing stuff like that that not be lost forever well it's a nice payoff for yukon's i mean i guess you could call it an art because he is his whole goal in the movie is searching for uh what is he searching for Salt mines? He's searching for vinegar. Silver and gold. <laughs> He's searching for vinegar, Jake. But yeah, just imagine this though. Like you watch a special and then a couple like, you know, this is turned obviously a holiday tradition for, you know, millions of people to watch this and other rank and bass specials every year. So imagine a couple years in a row you watch this and then the next and then a, the third year you watch it and it has a whole new ending. Like imagine this year if the Shrek Christmas special came out and it has like a whole different ending that completely changes it. And then you can never watch the original version again. George Lucas would be proud. Wait. Back up. What the hell is the Shrek Christmas special? They made a Christmas special. That's what we that. do now. We don't create specials like this anymore. We just do Shrek. I now, didn't know that. So the the original credits was just them throwing out like this, holding the doll, holding a, holding a box with, you know, you know, with the voices of. Now, the problem with them doing it so many years apart, you'll come up with it right now. Remember, this bird can't fly. It can swim. They um, just, yep, yeah, he tosses it off because that's the joke. They forgot, apparently forgot that the bird's thing is, I can't fly, I swim. So they just threw that bird to its death. <laughs> He's like, well, I hope Santa didn't notice. Yeah. They gave it the... Yeah, because I thought they were going to give it, like, the umbrella so it could float down. Well, that that's the... And then they don't. That's <laughs> the joke. Like, they clearly... The people doing this yeah. clearly forgot that that was the bird's arc. So that's the joke. Like, ah, we'll give you an umbrella. Well, you're a bird. You don't need it. Need it. And in fairness, you see the bird does flutter a little bit. So it was their intent. They didn't do it deliberately. It's very clear that they forgot it. So... You should just drop, like, a weight. <laughs> I, think it, I think it was able to live. Yeah. So, well, we're all glad you have listened to this perennial Christmas classic as we've been making terrible jokes over it. But, hey, that's pretty much what you're used to by now. So, hope you enjoyed this. If you made it this far, thank you. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer You go down in history